Uh, see, that's that's the thing, including agriculture and that. I mean, the trades are not really popular with, especially my age group, like the like millennial types. Of, I mean, it's mostly corporate. You mm. know what I mean, blue collars kind of, <laughs> I guess, phasing out of people's minds. Hey guys, before the episode starts, I'd like to give a quick thanks to all my supporters. Uh, it's greatly appreciated that anyone who, who listens to this podcast supports it. It's it's, it's very uh, nice to know that people are willing to help out with this and, and that they see it to be something worth investing in. Uh, right now, it's just faith. Uh, thank you again, whoever you in, you are, um, for for you know donating to this podcast. It's by no means an obligation, so anyone listening to this, don't feel like you need to give me any, any kind of financial support for this. Um, any, any is appreciated, but again, I'm not going to ask that of you guys. I don't like to ask you guys to pay for a, a product like this. It's just something that I like to do for fun. So, um, yeah, definitely not required, but but greatly appreciated when it is. I also like to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Anchor. Uh, there will be an ad for that halfway through. Um, but again, just thank all of you for so much for for tuning in every episode and and just giving your your undivided attention and, and support, and it means so much to me. So thank all of you, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to Talk Academy, the podcast dedicated to improving ag literacy around the globe. I'm your host, Brandon Black, and in today's episode, I'm having another conversation with a new internet friend of mine. Uh, before we get started, I'm going to let him give his own little introduction, you know, who he is, where he comes from, and anything else he wants to share. So uh, go ahead. Hey, everybody. This is Sal, um, plumber, pipe fitter, apprentice. You know, um, I, I also have a podcast called The Fresh Apprentice. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm glad to be here. Awesome. Um, so, if, you know, for anyone who hasn't heard it yet, uh, what, what, what's your podcast all about? Uh, so my podcast is all about, uh, for the most part, I'd say it's just my experiences going through an apprenticeship. It's kind of a alternate uh, choice in life, I guess you could say. You know, not not many people who are millennials choose that path. So, you know, I, I kind of just kind of shed light on on the process of that, I guess you could say. Gotcha. Cool. So you reached out to me over, over Reddit saying that, um, the, it's always been your dream to own a farm or end up on one. Um, so why don't we kind of start off there? Like, do you, uh, you know, before this podcast, do you have any connection to agriculture, any experience in the field, any, you know, any time spent around the farm? Um, you know what? Very little. Okay. I mean, um, let's see. Sorry. I, I would say, no, it's all good. Um, I worked maybe a couple weeks on a farm in Utah. Um, it, it was kind of a, I don't know. It was one of those farms where they, where they hosted like a pumpkin patch during the, during uh, October and hmm. Halloween and stuff. But that's, that's about it, I would say. Okay. Awesome. So you have a, you know, a very, um, basic experience with agriculture. So yeah what about the the farming lifestyle kind of attracted your attention? Like what makes you want to eventually have a farmer end up on one <clears throat> at some point? Oh, uh, I would say the, uh, definitely it would be the work kind of upkeeping it and everything and just having something to do even 
if I was retired, so to say, I would still have something tangible, I guess, hmm. something to do every day, kind of a, a routine. Yeah. No, that definitely sounds awesome. I mean, I, I know that all the work that I do on farms is always enjoyable. I mean, it's hard work. It, you know, it, it kind of, kind of beats you down, but it makes you kind of feel like you got something right. done for the day. So it's, it's definitely a good time. Exactly. So, uh, what has, so, I mean, you're, you know, like <coughs> you mentioned, you're, um, you're an apprentice for a, for a pipe fitter. Um, what, what kind of experiences does that come with, you know, before we jump into the, the ag talk, I'm kind of curious about what your side is. Right. So, um, I, I was very fortunate. So there's, um, there's an application process. Uh, it, it happens for about three to four months out of the year. And this is just pertaining to my local. I'm not really too sure how it works in other states, but um, yeah, it's about three to four months. There's an open, uh, open application process. Um, if you have experience, it definitely helps you get in. But e even if you don't, um, they'll they'll still accept you. Like for so for me, I had no um, no experience at all um, with with the plumbing pipe fitting industry, and and I was lucky to get in. Uh, so at first, initially, what what I had done was. I had applied and then there's a mandatory math test you got to take. And uh, <clears throat> if you have certain qualifications, say welding qualifications or anything like that, um, it, it just increases your points. So the application system, it's, 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 um, it goes off of a point system. So mm -hmm. I think the minimum is uh, 25 points. You know, just the math test on its own is, is worth 10. And then uh, high school transcripts is worth about five or so, I'd say. Hmm. But any extra qualifications you have uh, only increase the points. So I had just barely scratched the minimum there. And um, at first I didn't get in, but they needed about 40 more. So they accepted two more classes which were 20 a piece and I, I was just fortunate enough to get in huh that's awesome so yeah. what made you, when did you want to pursue that career <clears throat> uh, it was it was uh completely by accident so i've been ever ever since i was 18 and i moved to utah and tried college it wasn't for me and then uh, i moved back home and um Ever since then, it's it's been so. Let's see what I'm 24 now. So from 18 to 23, all I've done was manual labor, you know, warehouse, and anything of that nature. And it, it was just kind of on the off chance I saw, you know, they were accepting applications, and I went ahead and applied and <laughs> got in. Huh. You know, luckily, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. <clears throat> yeah. So now jumping into the uh, ag side of the conversation. Um, so you said that you don't really have too much experience with agriculture, um, no. but you know, but but you would like to. Uh, what um, so what in particular? Like uh, so, like let's say like, would you be more interested in like the animal science side, like raising some some cattle or, or some sheep or goats or pigs or something like that, or more of like the crop science side, like raising you know corn or or trees or something like that, or what what, what kind of appeals to you from agriculture? Right. Uh, I would say. 
maybe more of the the animals you know i have a little baby girl and just seeing her interact with the world is is pretty awesome so i mean animals definitely yeah no i, I would uh have to agree with you there i'm a big fan of, of animal <laughs> agriculture <laughs> i actually just got got back from a walk where i went over to our our school's farm and i went and checked on the cows oh, oh right on yeah so no that's awesome um so uh that you know that kind of brings me to the question of like what um I'm, I'm obviously you're on social media you're involved in the podcasting community and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. what kind of stuff have you seen on social media around like animal agriculture in particular but just like agriculture in general uh i mean the what i would say is mostly uh i mean <laughs> documentaries mm-hmm. you know just just from things me and my wife have watched um but but that's that's kind of about it really <clears throat> interesting and then like do yeah. you have so where you come from you know obviously we're, we're both in the same state but like in your neck of the woods do you guys have like um a lot of agricultural education in your in your schools and you know high school and college and that kind of stuff uh no not 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 at all actually uh, huh. i would like to have seen more you know all those kind of programs but it's it's just really absent everywhere wow yeah, that's kind of surprising. I mean, I know that California is starting to get a little bit more bare in terms of that kind of stuff, but you know, right. we're still one of the most you know popular in terms of ag education in the states. So, huh. oh, yeah. Um, okay, so kind of the the typical thing that I've seen a lot about like social media and stuff like that, and about animals and stuff and, and everything is that a lot of people have an issue with with animal agriculture. They don't like that people are raising animals for one reason or another. Some people say it's environmental. Some people say it's, it's, you know, it's cruel or whatever. Um, so going into, you know, let's just say like that you, you ended up starting working in animal agriculture. Like, do you, do you think these would be things that you'd have to deal with? Or are you kind of just, you know, kind of trying to go off the radar and, and do your own thing or like, you know, are, uh, do you have any like fears about that kind of stuff? Um, I mean, I, um, not not really i would say <laughs> that's good <laughs> no you'd be um you'd be a, a rare one a lot of people right now are kind of worried about their their farms getting taken away because some you know somebody complained about them uh and how they how they keep their pins clean or something stupid like that but right that, right. that seems to be the thing nowadays so are you looking to have just kind of like a um just like a fun little you know like side farm are you trying to make a commercial off of it like are you trying to make money or are you just kind of you know, looking for something to, to hang back and chill with. Right. Uh, yeah. I would, I would say much more for leisure, you know, something to just kind of have the family around. And I, yeah. I don't know for me personally, commercializing it would kind of just take that away a little bit. Yeah. I guess that's fair. No, that, that, that makes a lot <clears> of sense. Not that, that also kind of lowers your, your risk of, of that kind of stuff. Like I mentioned, like it's, you know, most like the larger, you know, commercial style farms right. that they're going after. So that might keep you safe. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, no, that's cool. So, um, so let me, let me see here. So you're from California, like I am, um, what, you know, what, what area are you in? Like what kind of part of California? Oh, I, actually I I'm in, uh, Nevada. Oh <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. Oh, I, I, I guess where you said California. No, uh, the, the time zones, I guess. I apologize. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. Right. Cool. I'm your neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Cool. So, like, over in, over in Nevada, is, you know, is pipe fitting kind of a common practice over there, or is that, you know, 
almost like an exclusive job. Uh, see, that's that's the thing, it, including agriculture and that. I mean, the trades are not really popular with, especially my age group, like the like millennial types. I mean, it's mostly corporate. You mm. know what I mean, blue collars kind of, <laughs> I guess, phasing out of people's minds. But gotcha. Um, yeah. Huh. Yeah, no, that that, that kind of makes sense. Nevada's kind of you know easing towards the the more um, uh, what's where I'm looking for the more uh, kind of like office jobs, I guess, or like right. less, like less like you know get your hands dirty kind of jobs. Right, right, right. Hmm. So if you were to go into agriculture, would you stay in Nevada, or like do you have anywhere in mind that you'd like to like to set up shop? Um, somewhere with more green. It's just desert <laughs> out here everywhere you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that, that definitely makes sense. Like somewhere like Colorado or somewhere a little bit more fun to look right. at. Right. Right. Yeah. No, that's I uh I'm with you there. If I ever get a chance to start a farm, <laughs> I'm I'm going somewhere where I can actually look at something and it'd be nice. <laughs> right. So <clears throat> awesome. So um like in terms of like agriculture or farming, is there anything that you don't, you know, that like you want to know more about and any questions you have about the, the process or anything like that? Yeah. I mean, um, for the most part, how, how do you even start? I mean, I understand buying land or whatever, mm-hmm. um, but a- after you've purchased land, then, I mean, what's, what's the next step after that is it just kind of a free for all or, uh, so really it, it depends on your operation and I'm not going to pretend yeah. to be an expert on, on how to start a farm, but I've, I've looked into it quite a bit. Um, yeah. cause when I get older, I'd like to have one, but, uh, you're right. It's so like the start off, you get the land. It depends on what land you get and what you want to use it for. Uh, you need to determine mm-hmm. if, you know, if you're going to raise some crops and you need to kind of have uh, soil analysis done, make sure your crops are suitable for raising, um, you know, what you yeah. want to raise. And then yeah. if you want to raise, um, livestock, you want to put up some fencing, you want to make sure that it's, you know, the, the proper, um, you know, structural security that with the fencing doesn't right. get torn down or anything, make sure no coyotes right. can get in or anything like that. Um, really the next step for that, like if, if you want to do pastures, you want to make sure that all your pasture land is, is well taken care of as well irrigated. The water is, is easily accessible to the cattle or yeah. any, any kind of animal you want to have. I, I tend to go with cattle cause that's my go-to, but, um, yeah. And if you're trying to go for like a feedlot operation, you have to build all the fences, you have to build all the the gates and all that kind of stuff. And you have to build it to a, to a point where the animals are able to live there and be safe and, and not get hurt or anything right. like that. So that's kind of your step one. Um, and then before right. any animals move in, then you want to make sure you have enough um, finances for feed and, and for storage for that feed. Right. And that's kind of like, you know, where you, and you, you want to decide like, okay, well, how many head am I going to have? What, what is the, like the diet, you know, um, what's it going to be the diet for those animals? Like if, you know, if yeah. you're not using it for commercial use then a pasture might be a little bit easier to manage, or if you, you're trying to make a little bit of money, you probably want to feed some grain into them, fatten them up a little bit and sell them on, on the side. Um, right. and then, you know, once you kind of figure that out, it really, it's all about like budgeting, figuring out how much you can invest into these things. And then, um, if, if you kind of, you know, really like the animal should be the last thing that you buy because, Obviously, you don't yeah. want to buy animals and not have any food for them or any water for them right. or any housing for them. Um, actually, unfortunately, I know some people <laughs> who've done that. They they buy some animals oh, without man. having even the, the 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 fences put up. They're just roaming on, <laughs> on open land. So, um, but yeah, no, it's really, it's all about just kind of figuring out having every piece in place first and then you get your animals in there and then you start your operation. So, um, right. that's kind of my my recommendation is, you know, if you're, if you're looking into, let's say, cattle, make sure you know you know, 
how much fencing you're going to need and you get that built. And then, you know, how much feed you're going to need for how many head, you know, how much water you're going to need and you have the, the trough built and you have your well all set up and all that kind of stuff before you even let a single cow touch your land. Right. Cause you know, you don't want to, don't want to go in there without anything prepared. Cause then you not only lose money, but you lose your animals too. And, and yeah, you know, nobody wants that. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so hope that so kind all of, the prep work. Right. Yes. Yeah, no, I actually have a, a few books that are like perfect for like backyard, um, you know, backyard uh, farms kind of thing, like like small farms, and yeah. it like breaks down like exactly how to build fencing, how to build like facilities that will help the animals stay calm, how to grow pasture grass, how to feed them properly, like all this stuff on how to actually start a farm. I've read yeah. that I've read that book so many times. It's just I don't know. It, it it's all it's all dependent on for one your budget and for two what you want to do with it, like right. You know, you, you're not going to start off by building a, you know, 400 acre farm and then just making money right off the bat. You have to smart, start small and kind of build your way up. And yeah. that's, that's even if that's your goal, if you're trying to keep it small, then maybe you could start off where you want and then you're good. Right. So that'd be, huh. that'd be my advice to starting out. Gotcha. Now, I mean, is there like a certain, so I guess for like a small family, mm-hmm. um, is there like a certain amount of land you would say to kind of, cause I know like an acre to me is, is giant. Mm-hmm. Right. But if, if you're adding animals and things on there, obviously there's, there has to be more room. Right. Right. Um, on average. And again, it depends on your operation. Like let's just say you're doing cattle, uh, pasture yeah. cattle average, like one to two head per acre. Okay. So they need a decent amount of land. Um, I mean, right. if you're not going to have a super big operation, like I've heard that a, a decent sized family farm is like, you know, 10 acres is pretty good. Um, okay. If you go into like, like anything past, I think it's like 50 to a hundred acres is considered commercial. I can't remember <laughs> what the number is now. Um, yeah. but yeah, I would say like 10, like 20 at the most, if you're looking for like a decent sized family farm, but I think that 10 would right. serve your purposes just fine. Gotcha. And that's, you know, that doesn't count your house. <clears throat> Yeah, right right <clears throat> so wow uh, yeah that's kind of it's kind of standard and again it depends on your area too some states have different regulations you know i know here in california they regulate it at, mm-hmm. i think it's i think it's one head or two head per acre or something like that gotcha wow <clears throat> so huh yeah, no, there's definitely a lot that goes into it. It's not something you can kind of just pick up and just start jump in. With. Yeah, <laughs> it does does tend to cause um, it's a little difficult to to just jump in and and you know start rolling. It kind of you know uh-huh. there are some people who get a little optimistic and they hop in there and then they realize that they did not know what they're signing up for. Right, it's kind of all at once. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. No, it usually yeah. takes a little while. I mean, like my dad's looking into starting a farm for, you know, when he retires and he's been, you know, looking into it for the past couple of years and he's got nothing so far. Like you got to find yeah. land, you got to find the resources, you got to find the money. Like it's, it takes a long time. Right. I could imagine. <clears throat> yeah, no, exactly. It's, it's definitely like, that's, that's kind of one of the things that, that kind of uh, people miss out on is they think that, farming is like the super easy oh yeah i'm just gonna start a farm and it'll be great yeah no that's <laughs> that's definitely the wrong attitude to have if you're looking for an easy job you're right. not be a farmer <laughs> but no, i think it's still worth it. I, I still have a lot of fun of course yeah that's i mean because 
with anything in life, you know, it's obviously going to take uh, <laughs> a little bit of elbow grease. Right. But, um, wow, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. So does that kind of answer your question on how to, how to start a farm? Yeah. Oh, one more question. What, so when you're referring to head, what, what is that? So a head is a measurement of each animal. So if you have 50 cows, okay. you have 50 head. Okay. So, so okay. Yeah. So, um, okay. So I just looked it up and actually it's, um, it's 1.5 to two acres to feed a cow and a calf. Gotcha. Cow and calf and Okay. So yeah, no hmm. kind of just depends on what you're trying to do with it though, you know. Yeah. So but um yeah, and then like kind of one of the bigger things, at least in California, is water. You gotta find somewhere that you can actually have a, a decent well that'll keep you alive for a little while. All right. Right. Especially because all the regulations here. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine. Oh yeah. So no, it's I mean what are with those regulations, what what is commonly run into, I guess you could say, like uh, in order to overcome to uh, you know build a farm or, or something mm. like that? Like, what's what's the most common regulations? Or... Uh, one of the largest struggles is um, water rights. Mm -hmm. So a, a lot mm -hmm. of you know, especially even like newer farmers, but even a lot of older farmers are running into this they will buy land that the water rights right. on that land is, is restricted. So like they'll, you know, they'll, they'll try to use water to irrigate their fields and then they, their well runs dry and they can't get any more water because they're, okay. they're not allowed to. So yeah. that's one of the larger struggles, um, at least in California, it, 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 like I said, it's very, it's, you know, there's a variation in different areas, but, uh, mm. water is a big one. Um, use of, of certain like chemicals is a big one. So if you have a small right. crop, you know, a small field of crops, you're only allowed to use a certain number or a certain amount of pesticides, which can tends to be an issue. Um, that's why a lot of small farmers go organic because it's a little bit easier to manage, but it does cost yeah. a bit more to start out with. So gotcha. um, that's kind of one of the struggles too, is, you know, size relative to, to how much you're willing to deal with from, from the government. Yeah. So it's just a matter <laughs> of, you know, picking your battles, kind of deciding, okay, well, if I, if I decide to run a farm this big, there's going to be regulations on it to this size because you have, you still have like property tax and that kind of stuff too. You got to worry about. Right. Um, right. So managing that plus all of the potential regulations around it is just kind of, you got to pick your battles. <laughs> so, right. And that's what, that's what farmers today are doing. I mean, I, I know a lot of farmers that I knew when I was a little kid and, and they're selling their farms mm -hmm. now because they can't get water to keep their farm going. So it's kind of just, a, oh, man. it's a struggle. That's horrible. Mm -hmm. And you know, once you get, if you're closer to like the urban side of things too, like if you have a farm around the outskirts of a city, you might have uh -huh. a big business try to buy out your farm and, and, you know, turn that into a new shopping center or something like that. So that's right. That, that's a slightly less common struggle in California than, than in other places, but it is still a struggle. Mm -hmm. Man. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's a lot to consider. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but no, it's, I mean, there's just there there's so many things that's that's against you know uh, like there's like there's there's so many obstacles to overcome to to get there not that i ever right. I, I would ever discourage somebody from going for it but i mean it's right. just it's a tough lifestyle to live nowadays i believe it <laughs> i 100 percent believe that mm -hmm. i mean there are some people who make it work i know some blueberry farmers up in woodlake and they I mean, they have this organic blueberry farm. They make tons of money off of it. They have very, very little regulations. Like they're, they're living pretty good <laughs> up there. So 
Must have nice. figured something out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. And then I don't, I don't know what, what the regulations are like in, in Nevada. If they have, I mean, I, I know that they have some different regulations, but I can't imagine they're as strict as California's. Oh yeah. I would, I would agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, just judging by the, the amount of people moving here from California, mm-hmm. probably, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's definitely a struggle. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, that's just and that's just on the agricultural side of things like the regulations on every other thing every, every other industry here is you know almost worse oh gosh yeah i mean don't get me wrong agriculture is pretty heavily regulated but there are a lot of industries here that could could afford to move to other other states right right but jeez yeah so it's <clears throat> it's something else here <laughs> now so most of our produce here in the U.S. does come from California, though, right? Yes, most of it. Yeah, um, the only stuff that we import or export or import, I mean, is um, like we we export yeah. a bunch of stuff. But the most of the stuff that we import right. are either um, foods that we can't grow here, so like bananas, coconuts, you know, uh, yeah. coffee beans, like stuff that we just can't grow, and right. Um, right. stuff that's not in season. So that's why that's why you have oranges in the summer because oranges typically grow in the winter, and so. In mm. in places that are south of the equator, like Mexico, they can grow yeah. um, they can grow foods that aren't you know naturally grown in, in our t- in our part of the 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 world at the right. time that it's grown. So that's kind mm. of the main reason for trade is that way we can get stuff that we normally wouldn't have access to. Huh. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you know, California <clears throat> is actually like they said before that California was its own country. It would have the ninth largest yeah. economy in the world. <laughs> yeah, I believe I I read that too. Mm-hmm. That's um, man, that's so wild. Yep, and most of that's <laughs> due to agriculture. I mean, we are the breadbasket right. of, of the world, and I mean, the United right. States overall is the United States feeds more countries than any other country in the world, but California is kind of the the leading power in that. Right. Right. Because I mean, there's very few things that we don't grow in California. <laughs> I know you would think all those regulations there wouldn't 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 that just kind of hinder the ability to to kind of do what you got to do on the agriculture side? Oh, absolutely. I mean, like I mentioned <laughs> earlier, we have farmers going out like mad. Um, there are some right. commodities that aren't even being grown in California anymore just because they're not making money. But um, there are some that are still you know they're still holding strong. They're doing everything they can. Right. Just right. the problem is a lot of the small farmers are struggling, and a lot of the large farmers are trying to keep by right so i guess what is so if if you've got hundreds of acres mm-hmm. what what would your most profitable um crop be <clears throat> it depends on what you're growing i mean if, if somebody is um or it also depends on your area um i know in, in my yeah. area in, in central california uh nut trees are doing extremely well like uh, oh wow sashios almonds walnuts like and in my hometown of Tulare, they have nut trees. Like a lot of dairymen are even taking out their dairies and they're and they're raising nut trees instead because of how much money they're oh. making. Um, and so they'll have you know a few hundred acres worth of of, of almonds or of pistachios. Right. Um, citrus also does really well here. Like we're the we're the number one supplier of citrus in in the world. So um, oh, wow. a lot of citrus farmers are are making a decent amount of money off of a few hundred acres of, of oranges or lemons or mandarins. Huh. Um, Dairy is still one of the most popular commodities in California because we're still the number one dairy provider for the world. Um, 
So it kind of just, you know, again, it, it's, it's uh, circumstantial for your environment. Right. Right. Like I know up, up North, they don't grow a whole lot of any of this stuff. They have like, you know, a lot of different fruits and berries and stuff like that. Yeah. Wow. Yep. So definitely a lot to think about. <laughs> <laughs> I know like uh, down, you know, down South over in like Texas and Oklahoma area, they have like, um, they have tons and tons of cotton and corn. And I mean, every state has yeah. corn, like corn's the only, stock, the only crop that's grown in every state, but really, oh yeah. But they're like the corn belt. They have like the most corn, the most cotton, the most like, you know, a lot of those like row crops. Right. So <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's a, it's, it's a lot, you know? Yeah. I can, I can only imagine. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. No. And to, to get in is, is, you know, I don't know if it's harder to get in or harder to get out. Actually, it's really easy to get out. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's a lot harder to get in than it is to get out. Wow. Because mm-hmm. I mean, you're dealing with a massive curve of, you know, economic problems and, and regulations, right. and, you know, all these things against you trying to get in plus the financial issues and all that. And then you're in there you can sell your stuff at any time. It's just that selling it at the right time tends to be an issue because, you know, you have some people who don't want to sell their farms because of, you know, it's, it's their family legacy or whatever. You have some right, people that right. don't, you know, like there's tons of reasons to not sell your farm. The problem right. is if you don't, you're probably gonna go broke. So yeah, it, it's kind of a, you know, it's an ongoing struggle with something that we, we worry about all the day, all, all the time with our own farmers here. Wow. So, I mean, um, when you're running like a commercial operation, like that, like you, you can't just stop, like, um, stop growing your crops or, or take like a break or anything. Uh, it, it has to keep moving. Yeah. So, I mean, the only time that they, they take a break from growing crops is that, you know, if they need to let the, the field rest and so they do like crop rotation, yeah. they'll take a break yeah. for that, but it's not because the farmer needs a break. It's just because they don't want to leach their field too much and they need some time for it to regenerate. Right. But right. with like, with uh, nut trees and with animals and with, you know, like oranges and, you know, crops that don't need to be um replanted they yeah. don't ever take breaks i mean it's they're gone yeah they're going 24 7 you know 365 yeah. days a year and even if they're even if they're not producing they're still growing the fruit so they still have to spray it you know they, have to, they give it fertilizers they have to protect it from bugs um like yeah. there's, there's all kinds of stuff that still goes into it so the farmers work you know year round 24 hours a day like they're up at, at three in the morning they're going to bed at midnight like yeah there's no breaks for them. <laughs> right, right. You know, cows don't take Christmas off, so they're always out there. <laughs> so, like, they'll they'll be milking whether you know it's it's three in the morning or or six in the evening or you know whatever. They're they're out there still doing their thing. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. So I guess what so would it be so with all these uh like produce that's organic and everything it, is it. Is it more beneficial to run a farm organic or or continue how how it's been going? Because I know, you know, like the pesticides and everything. I know that's like a big deal to people. Mm-hmm. Well, not to mention it's expensive. You know, if you can't afford to right. use pesticides and don't use them, um, right? I would say it. Just like everything else, it depends. Um, yeah, organic yeah. is has shown to be a very profitable. Uh, business but it costs uh-huh. a lot to get into it like right if you're if you're raising a conventional farm so like let's say you're raising uh corn that it it, it isn't organic 
Mm. before you register for it to be organic, it has to be free of any kind of pesticides, fertilizers, any kind of chemicals for three years before you can even apply. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. And then once you apply, then they have to monitor you for, I don't remember. I think it's, uh, I think it's a couple more years. I can't remember how long it is now. And you're not allowed to use any chemicals of any kind, any pesticides, any GMOs, any kind of product or um, uh, style that's not uh, verified to be organic or else they right. won't certify you. And then once they certify you, then you can stay that way. You just have to renew your, your certification every now and then. Right. But wow. yeah, so it, it like I said, it, it does make money for people who do it well, but the conversion wow. rate takes a long time. And um, if you're going to do it from scratch, like if you're just going to start a farm and make it organic, you have to do all yeah. kinds of, you know analyses on the soil, make sure it's it's got, you know, no leftover chemicals in it. You have to, right. you know, it, it's really hard to keep, organic produce alive too just because you know the organic methods of of you know like organic pesticides tend to not be as effective as chemical right. pesticides so you have the chance right. of your crops dying a lot easier or not you're know, just not growing at all so it's yeah there's just a bit more of an uphill battle but the payoff does seem to be pretty good if you do it for a while right huh. but interesting yeah, yeah. no i uh i mean i think that it is in it, it, it I can't talk today. It's entirely dependent. <laughs> it's entirely dependent on you know your financial situation, what you're wanting out of it. Um, you know what yeah. kind of what makes you feel best because like I I don't know necessarily. I, th- I think that I mean obviously farmers who grow organic get a premium for it, or else they wouldn't grow organic. Right. I don't know how long it takes for that style to become profitable. Right. Right. That's why a lot of farmers will start off conventional, then they'll switch to organic, where they'll have like a separate field that they grow organic. Well, they have a, right. a primary field. It just kind of depends. Some some sort of right. it just fine, but yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'd argue that organic livestock are even, are even harder to raise than organic crops. Organic livestock is. Mm-hmm. So I mean, what? Oh well, obviously you can't feed them anything with hormones or anything right right there's no hormones there's no antibiotics so if they get sick then you you can't sell them um that's right what most people do because like there was this whole misconception that if you raise your your animals organically and they get sick then you just let them die that's tends to be not how it works unless you have a pure organic operation most people have like one field that's organic and one field that's conventional. And if they have, yeah. you know, an organic cow gets sick, then they give her an antibiotic and move her to the conventional field. That way she's not going to die. Um, yeah. And they, they just have one less cow in their, in their pasture, but it doesn't like change operation at all. If they do that, so it's, it's, as long as that one pasture is, is 100% organic, that means yeah. that they can't eat any grass, hay, you know, corn, nothing that has any level of pesticides on it or it has, it has been genetically modified. Like, their right. diet has to be very, very strict. They have to be confined to their area for a long period of time. They can't have ever have any hormones in them at all, any any veterinary treatment. Like they're very, very strict on on that oh, stuff. Wow. Mm-hmm. So they just kind of got to live live how they live. So no vet can come in at 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 all. Like, um, no. I think it depends what the vet does. Like if the vet just comes yeah. in for an inspection, it's fine. But if the vet gives them a shot okay. or anything, they have to be moved. Right. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. Huh. So it's it's very and like the vet has to be cleared by the the organic certifier that you know it's he's okay to do his job and if the organic certifier catches that the vet does anything that you know would would disqualify the animal then it, it gets moved. Right. So Wow. Mhm. It's intense. Huh. 
That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. No, there's, there's a lot of complexity to, to starting off in, in agriculture. Yeah. <clears throat> so, I mean, uh, so I listened to one of your episodes with, I, I think it was another guest. Um, so most of the cows, so most of the meat or beef in, in uh, supermarkets or anything is those are dairy cows, right? Uh, yeah. So like, you know, anything you eat like McDonald's or like, you know, other fast food restaurants, um, any yeah. burgers, any, you know, anything like that. Um, right. And okay. Like a, a decent amount of the, of the beef in like supermarkets and stuff that all comes from, yes. from dairy cattle. And then like the higher dollar, you know, like your prime and, and like choice steaks and that kind of right. stuff. And like burgers you get in a restaurant, that's usually like your steers and you try not to eat bowls. I mean, you can, but bull meat yeah. tends to be really, really tough. Um, but yeah, steers, <laughs> steers tend to go towards like the, the higher quality burgers and meat and like the lower quality stuff tends to go into, or it, it comes from dairy cows. It tends to go into everything else. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And wow. that's another thing people don't understand either is that, you know, dairy cattle still become beef cattle eventually. Like everyone's like, Oh yeah, I'm going to raise a dairy. So my cows don't have right. to die. It's like, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> they're still going to get there. There's not they're going to get there yet. <laughs> Wow. Mm-hmm. Huh. So That's interesting. But it's kind of a tribute to the idea that, you know, we don't waste anything in agriculture. If you know, right. if, if a cow dies naturally and it's not sick or anything, we're still going to use it, you know, to, to make right. food. And right. you know, of course. when when an animal is slaughtered, they use like every every piece of it. The only thing they throw away is the brain and the spinal cord. Everything else gets uh-huh. turned into meat. Wow. Like even like the hooves and, and like you know, the bones and that kind of stuff gets turned like dog bones. So it right. It doesn't get wasted even a little bit. <laughs> That's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, <clears throat> yeah. So, and that that kind of goes back to the you know, like if you're thinking about raising it in the you know cattle, deciding between beef and dairies is also an important question to ask because if you're going to raise dairy, you have to have a way to milk them because you right. can't you can't raise dairy and not milk them or else they get sick. Really. Mm-hmm. So if, if dairy cows spend too long without being milked, that they, they yeah. develop like it's, it's called lactose toxicity and uh-huh. it be like it, it makes them sick from inside because they're just, they've got so much built up milk. It just starts to infect their, their udder and then they can, they can die from right. it. So you have to, wow. huh. mm-hmm. which is why most dairymen will milk their cows three times a day just to make sure they don't, they don't have any issues with that. Now would that, would that be the minimum? Three times a day, would you say? Um, not necessarily. There are some that do it twice a day, but I would say no less than yeah. that. Right. I'd say probably wow. depending on your operation and how old your cows are, like two to four times a day is probably average. Yeah. But yeah, if you go less than that, huh. you're running the risk of them getting sick. Wow. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Now obviously like uh sorry, what what were you saying? Oh no, I, I was just gonna say, yeah. There's you know, there's a lot to consider when you're when you're taking care of, of animals, but um, right. Yeah. What, what what was your question? Oh no, I, I was just gonna ask about the cost of like equipment and everything, like because because oh. <laughs> I know uh, down here at one of the casinos, um, they have this. It's annually like uh, it, it was crazy. It, annually they have those um. Where they where they ride horses and stuff here, or like uh, the rodeos, <clears throat> and I, and I'm just looking at like uh, some of the trailers these guys have, like even just 
their trucks, like F three fifties everywhere, giant, mm-hmm. you know, livestock trailers. I I can only imagine the cost of equipment to, you know, transport animals and everything. That's that's another thing I didn't really think about either. Yeah, no, the the equipment is is a whole nother question. I mean, if you're gonna get trailers or like any kind of milking equipment or you know a tractor yeah. or anything, it, it's gonna cost you quite a bit. I mean, right. Like, the the used ones the old ones are in like the hundreds of thousands like right it's right. it's it's almost impossible to find one that's of any decent quality under a hundred thousand yeah so it's that's another big financial investment too and you want to make sure you have all that stuff before you get any other you know animals or any crops in or anything because you don't want to not have it when you need it right right so that's another you know that's another thing you got to consider when you're going into starting a farm is like okay well how much equipment am I going to need and you know yeah how 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 far in advance do I need to have it before I get my materials? Right. So, because you're going to need like a disker for your field, <laughs> you're going to need a trailer for your animals, you're going to need a milker, and, you know, it's just, it gets right. gets to be pretty pricey. <laughs> like now I'm just looking at them like, <laughs> holy cow. Mm-hmm. Like six figures driving on the road next to me right now. Mm-hmm. Yep, no, the, and like the equipment is what tends to to cost the most out of out of any kind of ag operation. Like, doesn't matter what you're growing, the equipment's always going to be the most expensive thing. Right. <clears throat> like sometimes even the land pays itself off before the equipment does. <laughs> it's getting all that machinery and everything. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, which I just looked it up and I um I was mistaken. It's not called lactose toxicity, it's called mastitis. Mastitis? Mm-hmm. Which I, I don't know where I got lactose toxicity. I've I've treated cows for mastitis. I don't know where anyways, beside the point. Um <laughs> but yeah, no, cows can can accumulate too much milk and it causes an infection in their udders. I was right about that part, but I, I wrong name. Man, that is that's trippy. Mm-hmm. So you got um, a cow has to be milked, <clears throat> otherwise it'll get sick. I didn't even know that. Mm-hmm. Now that only goes for dairy cows, though. Beef cows, they're fine. Right. They don't need to be milked. Right. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. So their cow, their calves will milk them just enough for them to be fine. I mean, it it would still happen to them if they didn't have any calves to drink their milk, but yeah, they naturally get rid of enough milk to kind of balance themselves out. Whereas dairy cows, we bred them to a point where they produce so much milk that if they don't get milk, that they're going to have issues. Right. Huh. Now would a, would a machine, so a, a milking machine, I'm assuming it's called, right? Mm-hmm. Milker. So those, you would only need those if, if you're running what many cattle or many dairy cows i'm assuming yeah i i would say you you would need to invest into that unless you have a pretty significant amount of dairy cows um yeah if you have a small pasture of them then i mean right it might not hurt to have a uh, have a cheap milker but it's not really something yeah. that is worth the massive investment like i don't think you need an entire milk barn might might help to have some kind of facility for it but i mean yeah. if you have I, I couldn't give you a number on how many would, would justify a, a milker, but you know, I would say like, yeah. you know, if you're, if you're in like the fifties, then probably, yeah. But like if you're at, if you're having like yeah. 10 cows, you don't really need a, a whole machine for that. Right. So yeah, no, it's just another, another scaling thing trying to figure out like, Oh yeah. You know, if I'm going to have an entire, you know, 300 acre land worth of, of cows and calves, I should probably get some, some idea on how I want to yeah. milk them. Um, right. But if you're going to do that, it's more it's more worth it to invest in an actual dairy than it is to just start them off on a grass-fed operation anyways. Right. 
So I mean, if so, if you were running like a, a small pasture, could you still? Uh, would you still be able to sell livestock if if it was just like a small pasture? Yeah, I mean, you your your profits are probably pretty small, but yeah, you could still. I yeah. Mean, if it, let's just say you have you know ten to twelve head out there and like three of them dropping their bowls, you can castrate them, fatten up a little bit, and you can sell them at the feedlot and still make a decent amount of money. Wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only the only difference in like the commercial size and like and like the the small size is you know literally just the number of cattle you have. Like you don't have to, uh, like you don't have to like apply to be like a commercial farm. It's just you can sell however however much you want. Oh, okay. Wow. Mm-hmm. The only the only thing is though, once you get past a certain a certain size in terms of either head or acreage or dollar amount or whatever. You might get right. picked up by an LLC, so you might be part of like a like a massive like corporation of uh, farmers. Yeah. But you don't like for one, that's not necessarily uh, required. It just kind of helps out when you're at a larger scale and you need like the business support. But um, for two, gotcha. if, you know, if you're still small, then there's not really much point in you doing that anyway because you're just going to be selling right. two at a time. Right. Huh. Mm-hmm. Actually, so I mean, sorry. No, you're you're good. I was I was looking at something on my desk. Um, go ahead. Oh, it's all good. Um. So I mean, um. So obviously, like, uh, when when you're planting crops and everything, that that does take a toll on the field, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, is there a way for it to recover on its own, or or would you have to pump something into the soil, or? So soil is kind of a, a unique topic. Like we're actually still trying to figure out how soil works. Um, yeah. A lot of environmentalists and a lot of soil scientists have some theories. Um, some mm-hmm. have been confirmed. Some of them are still kind of experimental. Um, there right. are a lot of farmers right now that are actually working on regenerative agriculture, which is the idea that the soil will regenerate itself. Um, oh, wow. But that requires like low till or no till, which means you don't till your soil at all. You leave it alone. And, um, Mm -hmm. you can take your crops out and you can replant, but you don't, you don't mix up the soil at all. You just kind of let it preserve its natural state and it'll repair itself. Uh Um, you can till, but usually if you till and you don't like, you don't do a, a cover crop of any kind, you have to insert artificial fertilizers that will give the soil the nutrients that it lost. So, um, in, in the long run that, that ends up probably costing more, but it depends on the size of your operation. If you can afford to do no-till, then the evidence seems to show that it is better for it, but it's still experimental. So we might not know something about it. Um, but yeah, so the the soil, the soil is almost a living organism in and of itself. So if the soil isn't like taken care of properly, your crops won't grow. And so you need to kind of have that in mind whenever you're doing crop rotation that you need to have, you know, you need to have a cover crop sometime between the first crop that you harvested and then the next crop that's coming in. And usually that cover crop uh-huh. will, will, will hold the place of the structure of the soil and it'll yeah. also provide nutrients back to the soil. Like um, there are actually some cover crops that are genetically modified to take um, nutrients from the surrounding areas, so like nitrogen from the air and they'll put it yeah. back into the soil to try to revive it. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So, so, I mean, what crop would, would do that best then? As far as cover crop cover crops go, yeah. um, legumes are really good about that. Um, oh good, wow! They're good at absorbing oxygen and, and nitrogen and using it to kind of revitalize soil. Um, yeah. Other than that, like other crops haven't like 
commercial crops haven't really been adapted to a point where they can do that yet. Um, there are right. crops who have been adapted to not leach the soil as much, um, or like, you know, yeah. to try to like minimize the amount of, of soil, um, uh, like nutrient loss in soil as possible. But we're yeah. still kind of far from the state where we can have no, uh, normal crops that can just put it back in there. Um, but right. we are we are developing methods on taking care of the soil before the crop gets put in, so we don't even have to worry about that. Huh. So what would be a a good low till crop then? Um, I I know that they've been experimenting with corn quite a bit. That corn can kind of yeah. hold its own without without too much tillage. Um, right. I don't know. I think they're testing it with cotton. I I might be wrong about that. Um, but I know that kind of yeah. because corn is kind of our universal like immortal crop like that corn is is one of the most popular crops for a reason it does not die easily um so i think they're experimenting with corn just because of that but i don't know if they've actually composed like a a, a list of you know what crops can survive no-till and which which crops can't um because it's so new of, of a technique so yeah corn is is one of our like immortal crops it you know it, it doesn't die easily right. and so right. um i think they're still experimenting with it so they don't really have right. like a list of like Oh yeah, these crops aren't going to die to no-till, but we're we, we because it's so new, we're still trying to figure that out. Yeah. But huh. No, soil science is is interesting stuff. If you kind of figure out how much they've actually been working on with it, it's it's kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, I can only imagine because it's it's pretty much like raw earth. Mm-hmm. It's still trying to figure figure out how it works and everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're even trying to transplant it into. Um, external planets like Mars and the Moon to see if it if it oh, actually, wow. you know crops grow on on different environments. Wow. Mm-hmm. So it's it's our our soil for some reason is is insanely fertile. So we're trying to figure out how to make it stay <laughs> that way. Right. Man, that'd be so awesome! Just send it to another planet and mm-hmm. have things grow there. Right. Now our only problem is trying to figure out how to make more soil. Because <laughs> we're running out of it, right? Like uh, fertile soil? Right, because uh, the top layer of soil takes a thousand years to regenerate. Oh, jeez. So, yeah, so if we, like, let's say we build a, a building on top of fertile land, it's going to take yeah. way too long for that land to be usable again. So right. we're kind of, you know, that's why the urbanization problem is is something that we're still, we're still kind of stressing about because it's not like we can just like knock down a Walmart and build a, you know, regrow a farm. Like that's yeah. no longer usable for our lifetime. So right. we got to find another option basically. Now is that thousand year uh, soil regeneration, is that also after like one crop or, or is it kind of, like, does it kind of build up as you put more crops down down there? So the thousand year regeneration is um, mostly related to like, if we've killed the soil, the crops that the crops won't yeah. really damage the soil that much to a point where they have to regenerate like an entire a thousand years. Um, yeah. But if you leach the soil too much, which means you put too many crops in there that take all the nutrients out and you don't put any back, then okay. that, that yeah. takes about a thousand years to regenerate. Right. So that, so, I mean, I'm assuming if, if you were just pour a slab of concrete onto the soil, that that would that would kind of do it, wouldn't it? Yeah, no, it it yeah. it pretty much be be dead at that point. Um, so oh, like I, like this this um looking up an article right now it says it takes two hundred to four hundred years to form just a centimeter of soil. 
Oh man. So if we're, you know, if we're trying to get a, a few, you know, a few inches of soil to try to regrow our crops, it's going to take us a little while. So that's why it's so important that we try to preserve the land that we do have and we don't let it get taken by buildings anymore. Was there uh, anything else you were curious about or any, any other questions I can answer for you while we're here? Um, you know what? I'm sure there's, there's a lot more and just my mind is kind of blanking. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, if you think of anything else then let me know, we can, I can uh, answer it for you. You can even come back and have another discussion about it or whatever works. For sure. So. Yep. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely be back on for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have a whole <laughs> bunch of questions for you that time. <laughs> awesome. I'm ready for it. So <laughs> I think that kind of, I mean, that, that covers everything, everything that I could think of. So um, yeah, if you don't have anything else, then I'll give you a chance to kind of uh, re, you know, plug everything to everyone where they can find you if, if you want them to find you or I'll put all your links down in the description too. But um, yeah, this is kind of your chance for another promotion. Right on. Yeah. Um, so this is uh, Sal with the Fresh Apprentice podcast. Um, that's that's pretty much all I got. Uh, anywhere podcasts are, uh, it's under the Fresh Apprentice. So uh, yeah, I appreciate you having me on. Man. It was awesome. Yeah, no, it was my pleasure. I'm glad that you were able to to join me. You know, this has been. You'll actually be in my second to last episode of this season. So <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So this will be. Uh, <laughs> This will be fun. Um, but yeah, no, thanks again for coming in and, and, you know, joining and talking about what it takes to start a farm. It was definitely a fun conversation. Um, for sure. I hope all of you enjoyed the episode. It was definitely a lot of fun and I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, thank you again to our guests and, and to all of you who are tuning in and, uh, thanks for, you know, all the support that you guys give on every, on every episode. Thanks again to faith for, for donating to this podcast. Uh, you know, a monthly subscription, which again is not necessary or, ob or obligatory, but I greatly appreciate it all the same. Thanks again to our sponsor, Anchor, and, and uh, you know, all, all the, that you do in terms of financial investment of this podcast. And um, yeah, that's all I have for you guys. So I hope to hear from you next week. And don't forget, if you ate today, thank a farmer. Mm -hmm.